On today's episode of the Big O Podcast, I'm joined by my close friend and real estate agent, Stefan Stepien. He joins me to talk about the current state of the housing market, what adjustments he's made to comply with the restrictions of COVID-19, and what it's like to work for Harvey Callis Real Estate, Canada's biggest independent brokerage in both sales and in volume. This is the Big O Podcast. for doing this this was uh, something that i wanted to do f- with you for a while and finally bugged me enough and, and we were able to make sure that we got it done persistence is key that's it man that's it i know this is no trivia night but uh well i bombed that so <laughs> hopefully i don't bomb this i this is this is your your sequel this is your second attempt to, to redeem yourself it's my career <laughs> revival so I wanted to bring you in because you are a real estate agent who works for Harvey Callis Real Estate, Canada's biggest independent brokerage, both in sales and in volume. And I wanted to talk to you because a lot of people have a lot of questions with what's going on with the housing market. We see a lot of statistics on the TV. Sales are down. Interest rates are down. People are thinking that maybe this might be the time that they can sort of get into the market when they couldn't have maybe six months ago. So what have you noticed? What patterns have you seen in what's currently going on with this whole COVID-19 and how it's affecting things? Well, I mean, if you put it into perspective, two months ago, we were 20% up year over year. And the month following, we were over 25% uh, up year over year. Um, If you look at this month, we are down over 60%. Um, Now, Essentially, what that means for us is that all business is essentially halted for the most part. Um, People are still doing transactions and or finishing off several transactions. But for the most part, I don't see a lot of new listings coming out. I do see a lot of agents putting up market uh, properties exclusively, uh, such as myself and my business partner. Um, That's just to get people some understanding of what's still happening on the market. But for the most part, a lot of people um, have really just kind of stopped just purely due to the coronavirus right yeah i mean in our where like we live we were seeing houses going up and and selling with within a very short amount of time and even now we've still seen some new listings uh thankfully you know stephanie your partner uh is is sending us listings so we're seeing that there are still properties either on the market or still trying to go up but definitely the volume is down but if you're someone who does want to get into you know, a new house or a condo, either new development and start to invest. What are some of the things that they should pay attention to uh, if they want to do that, given the circumstances around COVID-19 and maybe that nest egg that they once had starting to deplete a little bit? Well, I think that's the most important thing that you just said there. And I think people really need to reevaluate their finances. I mean, for a lot of people, the money they had saved to put for a down payment, to pay the land transfer tax, to pay the lawyer, to pay the moving costs, that has just gone down sufficiently because of bills still coming in, mortgages, car payments, and, and just general life bills. And I think for them, they'd have to you know maybe take a step back now, uh, wait it out maybe another four to six months, and then reevaluate. Now, with regards to you about getting into the market, I think the most important thing um, is to find a proper real estate agent. I think you know, when you're looking for a proper real estate agent, I think the most important thing you need to understand is they should be educating you on the market. It's not making you buy a property. 
You should never be selling real estate. You are selling education. That is the most important thing that people don't recognize in real estate. I can't force you to buy a property. I can educate you and give you my best opinion on what area is the best for you and your family and what direction it's moving in. Um, and I think that what a lot of agents don't do is tell people the associated costs with buying a property where people don't realize that, okay, yeah, you're not paying a commission on the buy side, but you are paying land transfer tax, which is substantial. Right. Same with lawyer fees. Yeah. When, when, uh, when my wife and I got married before we ended up getting into an apartment, we looked at buying a house and they had like a family real estate agent that had helped them for, you know, two or three houses. And he was really good. He, he sat us down. He, we figured out our budget together and he showed us properties in the range of what we wanted to spend and what was realistic. Mm -hmm. And they weren't houses that we could definitely see ourselves in. So it was a reality check for us, but you know, you don't always get that with real estate agents. Like you said, some of them would want to make it, make just a sale. They're going to show you what's going to work better for them. But I think it takes a lot of, of courage for a real estate agent to not be about a bottom line, not forcing you into a house, but wanting to help and sort of be that like friend or family member and be like, listen, I want you to do what's best for you. I want you to be happy with what you get. But at the same time, we also need to be realistic. So we're going in this with a solid plan and we're not forcing you or, or you're making a bad decision and investing in something that isn't realistic for, for what you're doing. And so when we ended up getting into our apartment, you know, a year later, we were in a position to buy a house. Now, the next real estate agent we got in involved with, everything was bully offer, 200, maybe 300,000 over what we were looking to buy and not even in the area in which we were actually looking. And it was the most frustrating experience ever. And I mean, that's a life, that could be a lifetime investment, right? That's not like a watch, a phone or anything. That's a house. Yeah, and I think the worst thing about that is, is unfortunately you have real estate agents like you do in any sales position that do smell of commission breath and they're so yeah. hungry to do a deal that like you said, they don't have your interests at heart. And For I sure. think that if people would understand that real estate is predicated on referrals, yeah. um, you could do a thousand good deals and you do one poor deal and someone broadcasts that on social media or on Google review, oh, yeah. you can forget about it. For sure. And if someone goes, oh, by the way, uh, you know, Stefan made me pay 300,000 over for asking for a house. It's like, if you do the grand scheme of it, I mean, that's about 7,000 in commission. Right. Um, is that really worth it over a 25 year career to screw somebody <laughs> yeah. out of seven grand? You know, like, yeah. so I think what people really need to do is you need to find the right agent that really does understand that, you know, through and through, they guide you through the whole process. And what I see, what I see it today and what I'm seeing from a lot of people is they're literally just buying homes at the max rate. So if they can yeah. afford a million two, they're at a million two. Right. So they're cash poor. Right. Yeah. And that makes no sense to me because God forbid something like coronavirus just happens. Yeah. You can see oh. what happens when you have no money in the bank or you have a little bit, but everything is dedicated to the house. I mean, we're talking taxes on a house. You're talking yeah. utilities. You're talking mortgage. You're talking family, yeah. kids, car, gas, insurance. Everything. Food. It adds up. And it adds up to a point where it starts becoming a hostile environment inside the household for a lot of couples when for they sure. said, you know, this was your decision and now <laughs> it's the blame game. Yeah. And that is what Stephanie and I are starting to realize with a lot of agents that we, 
see uh, and you get an understanding obviously you know being fortunate enough to work for callus you know it's a high caliber brand and it's high caliber agents i mean you're talking some guys have 40 years of experience right. under their belt and they've seen it all but i'm seeing a lot of the newer agents that are coming in now and they're just e eager to do a deal oh for and sure they don't understand that you know yes it's exciting to get a deal done and it's exciting to get a commission check and understand. Yes. Um, and we'll go over how complicated that is also yeah. for some people when they don't understand that you can't spend 100% of your commission check because <laughs> you owe the government money. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not but, tips. It's yeah, not it's, tips. Yeah, it's, so I think for a lot of people, it's just they really need to understand that it's better to buy a home um, that's a little less, you know, a little less expensive. Right. That gives you that nest egg for rainy days or months like this for sure and this is the thing like people are terrible when it comes to planning ahead obviously no one sees the pandemic coming but you always have to have that rainy day fun when when my wife and i we bought our house we had that in mind you know this is our budget we're going to keep x amount of dollars in case something happens and sure enough you know things happen in your house you have a a leaky roof you have a shingle that's flown flown off because of high winds and you have to fix this you have a leak you gotta fix this or man your ac and furnace just go out i mean those are all costs that you have to be able to plan for because when you don't it's a major problem and as you said it can really drive a wedge between a couple and if you have kids it just puts more stress on an already stressful situation and now you're just living in a house of cards it's just gonna take one more thing it's gonna blow up yeah i mean what's gonna be interesting is what the divorce rate is yeah, going to be what or the breakup what, rate uh, or counseling rate like you know counselors are going to start making a lot of money but i mean this is definitely if you're not in a family dynamic where you're spending a lot of time as a family whether it's couples or with the kids then this situation if you're working from home or you're out of work unfortunately you're doing something that you're not used to. And in a situation where you can't leave the house, you can do limited grocery shopping, you don't really have an outlet to sort of get out, you don't have anywhere to go. And unfortunately, I mean, the World uh, Health Organization came out and said that domestic violence amongst the rise. world is is just exponentially As growing, is alcohol right? consumption, drug consumption, you know. TV show watching. Well, Netflix just broadcasted <laughs> that they had 16 million new subscribers this month. 100%. I'm actually one of those. Yeah. We, we, we got rid of Netflix and then this time we're like, yeah, you know what, for, for the next couple of months we'll, we'll get into it. And thank God, Tiger King, thank you for, for Never coming into my it. life. Oh, you don't know what you're missing. Carol Baskin, that's all I'll say. Yeah, no, I've heard, I've heard. <laughs> David Spade told me all about it. Yeah. But I think the one thing that I think people need to realize as well is that Toronto's been rated a top 10 city in the world. Yeah. Um, and coming with that is a very fast life. And as guys, you said, you know, a lot of people are in and out of their house all day long. Yep. You know, they're up early, they're working all night, and they never really get a chance to settle down and sit down and really evaluate the situations they have at home. Yeah. And now this is where it's kind of rearing its ugly head, where now they have to spend time together. Yeah. And that is a whole different concept because people are just so used to paying bills, paying bills, yeah. paying bills, the odd time going out, getting drunk and then yeah. paying more bills. Yeah. So when you come home and you're stressed to the max, now you're at home, you can't do anything. You're stressed to the max. You yeah. can't go get drunk at a bar <laughs> and run away. And you actually just have to figure it out at home. And for some people, you may not even have a job anymore, right? Like if you had like a restaurant or a small business that was forced to close, you're not having any income. And as much as the Canada or Canadian emergency relief benefit is beneficial for some, if you're making more than $2,000 a month, that's not going to help you. It really doesn't. And, <laughs> you know, 
especially when it's not taxed. And so if you're not saving 400 to $500 of that come next year when it's tax time. It's coming back. Yeah, that's not free money. And that's, once again, the other issue that I just don't think people understand. Yeah. And the government did not tell them that this is a taxable yeah. income. At yep. $8,000, you are going to be paying 1600 back. Yeah. And yeah. listen, I get it. The government's bailing us out right now. But like a casino, they always win. Well, they're going to have to pay this money back, right? Every every week, Trudeau is saying, you know, $1 billion for students, $1 billion for small businesses. Now, if you didn't qualify for the CERB, now you do, right? Like, EI can't do it for you. And if you're, you know, not fortunate enough to, to have a job that either has can allow you to work from home or can continue to pay you while you're off or top you up while you're on EI, you're going to be in a bad, bad spot. And for a long time. I mean, they just laid off 1,200 TTC workers. That's an essential service. Ridership was over a million, 1.2. It's now down to like $600,000. People aren't riding the subway. They're obviously not going anywhere. And if they're laying these staff off, it's because right now they have no intention of getting back to that ridership anytime soon. That should be the first thing that people see and realize, hmm, we're not going to be out of this in two weeks. No. The, the restart of the economy and our city is going to take months. It's I would say six months. I'd say a solid six months. I mean, you have to look at how this all kind of just unravels. So as you just said, you know, TTC workers being laid off. Okay, so we open up the economy again. Restaurants open back up. They're not opening at 100% capacity. Nope. They're at 20. So yeah. that means that only 20% of staff is needed. So yeah. now we have 80% they're on unemployment. For sure. From those people... They haven't even paid three months of rent because they don't have to be evicted. Yep. So now they don't have a place to live. Yeah. And well, they don't have a job. Well, and business. Well, the crazy thing is like businesses, right? Like so, in commercial real estate, as of what like last week uh, in the city of Toronto, landlords could start the eviction process. Oh, they're getting murdered. You you wouldn't you you're not protected the same way you are in a in a residential area, right? And that's and that's a thing that we're going to see across the world as everyone tries to get back to a regular or, or a normal and that is you're going to have a tiered approach as to how the economy restarts not every business can open up not every business can open up at full capacity likely there'll be some sort of lottery system as to who gets to open up based on square footage based on usage whatever it is and then we'll slowly start to see that you can have huge lines at costco because you can line up in the parking lot but if you go to the Eaton Center, Square One, or any mall in your country or city, you can't have like 70 people lining up outside of Foot Locker to get the new Jordan. That's right. Because that's going to be encroaching on La Senza or whatever that's right beside there. And you you're can't. taking away from their business. We're going to be socially distancing until the early part of 2021. So right. how are you going to do this for sporting events? Is it one every four seats? No. So then at an 18,000 person stadium has 5,000 people, which means that a fourth of the people that are working there, a fourth of the consumption of alcohol, a fourth of jersey sales. Get used to not having fans in attendance for major sporting events until 2021. Then you will have bankrupt teams. Yeah, well, we're seeing that already. I mean, if you looked at the English Premier League, using soccer, I mean, it's 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 the global business and it's the thing that gets affected the most when you have a league that operates inside of one country. We're not seeing it with the NHL because they get bailed out by 
TV contracts, sponsors, they're still okay. But if you look at the NBA, they recently came up with an agreement with the N- the uh, Players Association to withhold 25% of player salaries. They're not doing that because they think that this is going to be over next week. They're doing this because they need to get into that starvation mode of we need to protect ourselves and put away a little bit of a nest egg because if this goes on or if we have to operate with no fans, we're going to need to generate some sort of money. Well, the thing is also, I think that not every player makes LeBron James money. No. Not every player is Steph Curry. For sure. You know, there are guys who make the league minimum. Actually, your boy in uh, switching sports to tennis, your boy... Novak. Novak, uh, he stood his ground on two points. He says he won't take a vaccination if it's mandatory in order to restart. He wants there to be some sort of, you know... The, the sport's got to be in a better spot. Everyone's got to be in a better spot from lower tier to, to the high tier. They want to make sure that the world is okay before we even start to get into sports. And they've helped set up a fund with Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer yeah, guys. to be able to pay those lower tier tennis players who rely on getting into tournaments, getting free invitations on sponsorships because they don't make a lot of money. They don't win those major tennis tournaments. They are literally playing every weekend, every circuit that they can get into to be able to pay their coach or to pay to travel to a tennis event. Very similar to golf. Yes. Where yes, a majority of golfers sure. make zero dollars. 100%. And that's the thing I think that people aren't understanding as well about sports is that the worst thing that could happen is, is that you force an open. Yeah. This happens again. Yeah. And you're reshutting down again. You wouldn't be able to survive. Like if you, if you don't wait the appropriate amount of time and there was some sort of, second wave that comes out of this which donald trump said we're not going to hit a second wave but if there's a second wave that comes out and you haven't recovered or you're still in the early stages of trying to figure out how to recover you're going to be in deep shit yeah it's game over i think for a lot of people i think as they have predicted a model in december yeah during the flu season that this will come back twice as hard and Back to our point about how you and your wife had the financial nest egg and and the wherewithal to understand that maybe we shouldn't take that big purchase right now. Yeah. And we should wait. I think some people are in a lot of trouble that didn't wait. Oh, for sure. Because the bank, they're going to say, <laughs> I don't care. Because yeah. what they're doing right now is they're deferring mortgages. Yes. But you're paying the interest on it. Yes. So you're taxed there. Yeah. Then in three months when the payments start kicking in again, you're paying and you're yeah. paying taxes. And then when you have to owe again, yeah. you're paying and you're paying taxes. So you're getting taxed three times. And that's not even talking about credit cards. Or property tax oh. or utilities or your car. So yeah. this is just, it's a never ending hole that I don't think a lot of people are going to be able to get out of. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the restaurant industry. Like what wife or husband is going to say, yeah, honey, go downtown tonight. Um, yeah. Pack yourself in a bar with a thousand people yeah. get smashed and then come home. And, th- and that's the crazy thing about like this whole social distancing thing, like living out in Mississauga and outside of the city. I mean, we have people hopping into tennis courts to play cricket because they just aren't understanding what the hell is going on. Right. And what they don't realize is not just them that there could af- affect is their family and anybody else that they come in contact with by being around other people stay home stay inside the longer that or the shorter amount of time that we do this for the longer that we follow these rules the shorter amount of time we're going to be in this but as long as we continue to not follow these rules it's going to take longer it's going to come back twice as bad and 
then we're going to be in big trouble. Well, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really understands what's going on. I mean, the numbers are skewed, as you and I talked about yeah. before this, and I'm sure the numbers aren't really that accurate. No, I'm sure there are tons of people who have gotten it and just decided to stay at home and self-isolate. I know at least you know, two people who are close to me that felt that they had it. They isolated themselves. They weren't going to go to the hospital. It didn't get to the point where they felt they needed to go to the hospital. And three weeks later, they're feeling much better than they once did. Those numbers aren't going to get counted in these, you know, 600 people have now gotten COVID-19 in Toronto or in Ontario or whatever. Um, I also think that there are numbers fudged in other countries uh, around this that... I think those that are close to the Wuhan province <laughs> are rather skewed. Yeah, it's, There's it's, no way that an upstate New York town has over 10,000 yeah. and the epicenter doesn't. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so, you know, going back to, to the real estate side of this... There's, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of people who are not making the best decisions, either rushing to get in. But there are some people who maybe are well off, have that nest egg, who can say, you know what? Maybe there are not as many properties as we would like. Maybe we could find the right property for us. And if they have that financial nest egg, if they can, you know, get a good low mortgage right now, lock it in. What, what is the what is the best thing right now as far from like your perspective? You work with a bunch of mortgage guys. The interest rate is the lowest it's been in what a year, maybe two years, two years now. Yeah. Um, what different type of rates are we looking at? I know from my limited experience, uh, we have both a fixed rate and a variable. Yes. Right now, what is the market dictating as to you for the next five years? What's the best option for someone? I would say. Prob- I mean, in my opinion, yeah. I would say always a variable rate can work in your benefit, okay. but it can also work against you. Right. I would say to your question about people who do have that nest egg to purchase a home, I would say once again, it doesn't matter if you're well off or you do not have that much money. You just still have to do the risk assessment. You know, right. Is it worth it for you right now to purchase that home? Right. And if you can afford it where you still are not cash poor, then you can take that risk. Right. But at the end of the day, the big thing that people are seeing is people that were approved for mortgages before the coronavirus hit, and now they go to the mortgage guy and he says, okay, let me see your two last tax or yeah. you know, pay stubs and their two $2,000 checks. Yeah. Well, mortgages work on five times lending. So at uh, 4,000, you're approved for um, 20 grand. Yeah. So you're not buying a tent. <laughs> you know, that's the problem yeah. that I think a lot of people need to understand that, um, you know, when you're doing the biggest purchase of your life for 99.9% of the people, I mean, obviously there's a super luxury who have the boats and for the sure. houses and the yeah. planes everywhere around the world for a majority of us. Um, there's a lot of cost associated, uh, oh, sorry, a lot of cost associated with purchasing a home that I think a lot of people just, they neglect. Right. And sometimes that extra two, 3,000, 5,000 here, 7,000 here, that makes or break a deal for you. For sure. And as we've seen now by sitting at home and kind of just evaluating our finances, you can see how it is so vital to ensure that you do have money put away every time you get paid. For sure. Living paycheck to paycheck, which 90% of downtown Toronto young guys do. And if they say no, they're lying. 100%. Uh, And they're at the bars every weekend at King Taps and at Cactus and at Locals Only. I've seen them there. Um, They're struggling right now and they're panicking because they know that once this is lifted, they don't have the money for their rent. Yeah. And then your big party is over. Yeah. Um, And I think that's the scary thing for a lot of people. And the other thing that I think is, is on a family dynamic... I was talking to Adam Feldman, who's a real estate agent in my office, and him and I were just chatting about how things like 
kids playing in organized hockey. Yep. Seven grand. Yeah, for sure. You can forget about that next year. Yep. Camp, 15000 for three kids. Yep. Gone. Nanny, daycare, whatever it is. The things that you got accustomed to doing, spending money so frivolously, those are going to be forgotten. Even going out uh, on Friday night for a family dinner, that's $350. Yep. I really think that those are going to take a back seat for a very long time. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think someone asked me uh, the other day, you know, when do you think that this is going to happen? I have obviously no expertise in this, but if you look at how long it would take to get like a vaccine for people to get the economy to kind of rebound, you're looking at like two two years, maybe yeah. three years before we get back to some sort of like normalcy as to what we once had. Because like you said, hockey cost a ton of money piano lessons tutor i oh, mean there's so many that you can you can't even <laughs> stop the bleeding for some of these parents and they don't even know you know where it's coming out right now we may not even see students back in school in september that's i think that's a I've reality heard, i've heard that and i think what people also i think for me from what i've read about and i'm reading daily and stephanie keeps me in tune because she's on top of this thing yeah i don't think normal life what we're used to yeah. is ever going to be the same again I, think, I really don't because I think people walking around with bandanas and masks on right. have scared people to death. For sure. And, you know, I was at uh, a Rexall yesterday. I had to go buy deodorant <laughs> and I just see all these stickers all around. And it's like, you stand here, you stand here, you stand yeah. here. So I think the whole notion of people running and gunning around all the time and yeah. going to grab something and, yeah. and just, I think that's going to really take a step back because now people are going to go, who touched that? For sure. How many people have touched that? I think paper money. Is going to be eliminated. Well, the, I mean, Bank of Canada came out not too long ago and said, listen, don't stop using money because they know the moment that we stop using coins and actual cash, they're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Right? Everyone's going to move to plastic and it's going to be a big problem for them. But I mean, most re like how realistic is it to continue to use this stuff when, when this is happening, right? We've seen so many videos of people exposing uh, drive-through people who are wearing the same gloves that are taking your cash and then you know, getting you your burger or your drink or whatever and cross-contamination, it's a real thing. I think there's, I think you're right. I think there's a real fear that we may be moving away from money, at least in the short term, until, you know, we have some sort of either vaccine or some other protective measure in place. Well, if you look at it 60 days ago, <laughs> do you really think that anyone would have questioned what the drive through person was doing? No. They would have been like, just give me the burger yeah, yeah, yeah. and leave me alone. 100%. And I think that this might have really heightened people's sense of hygiene awareness because for the <laughs> most part, let's be honest, if anyone also, whoever listens to this, say they wash their hands more than five times a day, they're not telling the truth. Yeah. It just, it's not possible. Yeah. I'm sure there are some people who are very diligent about it, but for the most part, people just do this, touch their face, do that, touch their face. Like, you know, unless you have a newborn where you're constantly with wipes People just live a yeah. really fast life. I would say if you have kids, and I mean kids like under the age of like three, uh, you know what? I would I would maybe say five, but I mean that would say that, four. That, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll settle at four. Uh, see, that's the negotiator in you. I like that. That's see, it, that's right good. Um, I got you down. That's it. <laughs> I would say that maybe you are just with feeding and toileting and you know, your own self that you're just washing your hands, dishes, something as simple as dishes, maybe. And maybe people are doing it more now that they're home, more dishes are being consumed. So they're washing their hands naturally a little bit more. One would hope maybe people use the dishwasher. I don't know. 
But I would agree that outside of that, you may not have the wherewithal to understand that you need to wash your hands way more. People answer the phone when they're out, not wearing gloves, put it to their face. Some people answer the phone while wearing gloves, still put it to the face, put their phone back in their pocket, touch an apple, touch a package, oh, the phone rings, pick it back up, and now we've just cross-contaminated everything. And if you don't clean your phone, or you don't clean your watch, or you don't clean your keys, or your door handles, or any of those things, you, you don't need to wash your hands because you're just going to get the coronavirus anyway. Well, that's the thing, and I, and I think that now it's driven people to insanity on so many levels. Like, well, yeah. you know, you think about it, I'll just go back to real estate because we're kind of, you know, in the chat about that, yeah. but, you know, something as simple as doing an open house. Yeah. You know, not only can I not do them, yeah. um, I mean, unless someone's extremely, extremely determined to see the property, right? Um, which Stephanie and I have given, you know, video tours, which you've yeah. seen. We'll do Skype. We'll do FaceTime. We'll right. walk around the property for you. We'll send you all the marketing via email. Right. Um, some people just still need to visually see it. Mm-hmm. I have gloves. I have a mask. Yeah. I have wipes. I have everything. I open the door and I let them go in the property. If they have right. any questions, they can call me while I'm in my car. Right. And that really takes away the human element of my job. My yeah. job is to sell a property on the education basis, but right. it's to really tell them all the great features about this house. If yep. I'm just doing it through speakerphone, it's like, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like yeah. you know, an automated message. Right. And I think that's really difficult. And just in so many other businesses that is so predicated on sales right. and or just talking to people, I think that's going to really take a back seat. I also have been hearing that a lot of businesses are going to get to the three business day model at the office and two at home. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of things that you weren't able, you weren't deemed to be eligible to work remotely and now you're being forced to now shows that there's infrastructure for it it just took this to happen yeah um and i agree i mean a lot of businesses are continuing because they know they have to you have to be able to work from home or our business is not going to work and so let's give you the resources let's figure it out work from home so we can stay afloat because otherwise you're shutting your doors you never open them back up again well that's it it's either sink or swim and i think for a lot of people um, I think they've gotten really creative in their job and yeah. I think I give a lot of people credit for how they are performing business. I mean, um, you know, if you look at something as simple as restaurants, so yeah. many restaurants always refuse to do takeout Yeah, because they're like, no. Yep. And now, now it's like, now you have to, you have to. And the, I mean, the unfortunate part about that too, is that over the years we've seen restaurants eliminate their own takeout drivers because of the emergence of like Uber Eats or Grubhub or skip the dishes, all that kind of stuff. But the sad part about this right now, and I get like you needing as the Uber Eats to take some sort of commission. The service charge is getting brutal. But I understand because like Uber drivers are inherently taking some, they're taking more of a risk by going in, collecting this food, bringing it and delivering it to you. But the way that they're like, price gouging the way that it's just over inflated to the point where like mayors of cities have to encourage them to not to not do that i think it's just it's crazy but i mean there's always people who profit from bad situations we see people who buy stocks and make a ton of profit when the economy goes down and that's what they're about and unfortunately with the delivery system and the uber eats and which is coming way more commonplace now, which again is scary. Maybe people should learn how to cook. It's a lot safer. You know where your food's coming from. You can clean it yourself, but it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing. And we didn't see that even 
at least as much even like two years ago when i was in high school we barely had facebook like yeah, so you can true. think about now you had to get invited, you had to, to, get facebook. invited to facebook that's right and we didn't have data service charges when i was uh, in high school on bbm phone. maybe bbm bbm, BBM was it. <laughs> msn messenger. messenger but you know you think about it then like yeah back then if you ordered a pizza you were calling the company. Yeah. The pizza driver was coming. You yeah. were giving him a cash tip. Yeah, yeah, no credit cards. And there was none of this service charge, service charge, no. gas charge, no. because charge, and yeah. thank you charge. 100%. And now, because people realize that... Um, they can make money. They can make money. They're going to do it. But the other thing that I've noticed is, which is kind of funny because a girlfriend of mine from California who I was just chatting with before here, she was saying, maybe this is going to teach guys and girls how to actually be a normal domesticated person. Like learning how to cook, clean. Like learn how to cook, clean, um, and just do anything normal. Because, right. you know, if you think about it, right, everybody always has a solution for something. And I think, you know, like you said and we said, you know, if you work in something like finance, you're up super early yeah. and you're home super late. Yeah. So there's no time for you. Nope. So what do you do? You call a meal company. They provide you meals yep. at your house. They're frozen or whatever, fresh, whatever they Delivered, claim. yeah. Delivered, you have that. You go to GNC, you get a protein shake. Yep. Then you go to the office, you go downstairs, you buy a lunch. Yep. So there's nothing really that you're doing. Your dry cleaner does your dry cleaning. <laughs> That's right, your you know? laundry. So there's nothing that you're really doing on your own right. other than paying bills. So I think now this has really given people a chance to think outside of the box, really save money. Yeah. And, you know, just appreciate where they are. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people take for granted living in Toronto. 100%. Or Mississauga or Brampton yeah, or, yeah. or wherever. We'll yeah, say yeah. Greater Toronto or we'll say Canada in general. Yeah. We have it pretty good here right now compared to a lot of places. I mean, if you look at like a brother city to us, which a lot of people consider like, you know, we're the New York of Canada. Yeah. I mean, that easily could have been Toronto. 100%. Right. We have the travel with Pearson and Porter. We have the amount of people just coming in and, and being in Toronto for whatever reason, because we have such great tourism that easily could have been us. 100%. And we're complaining right now with, I think, 6,000 total cases in Canada or in Toronto or Ontario, something like ridiculous. And we're talking about the largest number of any city in the world with New York right now. They were just digging ditches to get rid of bodies. Well, that was the thing, and I think that was the most disturbing thing when um, when Mr. Cuomo said that you know people were just piling on top of people, and yeah, um, you know, then they said that you know it potentially could happen where you know it could be transferable through a corpse, and then now this started scaring people. And then yeah. you know I watched a video online where an Italian guy was sitting at home and a family member of his household yeah. was actually dead behind him. Yeah, and um. You know, this is really, really real. Yeah. And, and we're complaining about cherry blossoms yeah. in Toronto. We're yeah, complaining you know, that guys, we're a you virtual can't go to cherry tour. Blossoms for the park. And here, listen, yeah. like you said at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I'm perfect in this. And, I'm, and I know my business partner who will hear this will definitely <laughs> rip me on this. But, um, you know, she's been very good about staying home. Good. Because, you know, she lives with her grandmother, right. and her parents, and her brothers. And, uh, you know, her grandmother's getting up in age mm -hmm. and you know it, it's a scary thought she's being responsible of course good and for I her i think a lot of people you know i read yesterday that some dummy was doing donuts at young and dundas had some 21 and, year old guy who ended up getting arrested dummies are taking yeah. videos of him doing yeah, it. yeah they're stopping traffic because you know they just want to act a fool it's 
It's nuts, man. It's, it's nuts. It's just so silly that, you know, I remember, what was it, maybe a month ago, the guy on vac- spring vacation, he goes, I don't care about coronavirus. Yeah, so I want to par- and then he gets it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And then he starts crying because he got, he got it. He's like, oh, I just want to apologize because I'm an idiot yeah. and I sound like a smart ass. And I think, you know, one of the things about us for our real estate company, I mean, Michael, our boss, he does web uh, sessions every Monday. Yeah. So we have market updates every Monday. We're Good. all on a video blog and we all have an update and understanding. And I think a lot of businesses are doing that now. They're, they're having to, right? Which has to be an essential what? thing, which yeah. goes back to the point of maybe people aren't needed at an office anymore. Or at least not as much. And that, in turn, will really affect downtown Toronto. For sure. Because no one's going to go downtown anymore if they don't need to. And so that brings a whole other thing outside of the residential market. But now we're looking at commercial properties. Correct. And More so office space and retail. Right. Because the industrial sector, which is predominantly in the outskirts of the GTA, because the big bomber buildings, which are in Milton, Hamilton, Burlington, Kitchener... um, because you need the land. For sure. Um, those will always be busy because those yeah. are third-party logistics. At yeah. 3PLs, they're always busy. Um, stuff's coming in. I mean, Amazon itself has six single million square foot facilities in Ontario alone. Yeah. So they're never going to stop. Right. Best Buy, companies like that, yeah. Canadian Tire, Mars, uh, Bauer Hockey, they're yeah. always busy. But downtown, with office rental rates being so high and retail rates, yeah. you know, manicure store or you know manicure companies yeah. or hairstylists or even small mom and pop shops that are paying ridiculous prices per square foot yeah forget it so does that then draw i mean obviously for the owners of the building their mortgage rates are going to be set at whatever obviously the, the lower interest rate maybe lowers things down but what is that going to mean for them when they just don't have businesses that have the the equity or the money to be able to come and occupy these spaces. Well, that's the ebbs and flows of real estate, right? It can't always be at a height. There has to be a balance, right? And, you know, we see a correction every seven to 10 years. And I'm not necessarily saying we're going to see a correction because there's just so much demand in Ontario. I mean, everyone wants to live in Toronto. For sure. It's very expensive. We understand that. Yeah. But look at it in relation to New York City. Like New York City, condos are going up at 5,000 a square foot. That's crazy. Like... For a thousand square feet, you're yeah. paying five million U.S. dollars. That's insane. That's seven yeah. plus million Canadian to live in a thousand square feet. Yeah, it's nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Townhouses there are going for twenty-five million dollars. That's un. That's unreal. But you know why? Because people are buying them. Because there is this lore and mystique of New York City being well, we, downtown. Not only that, but New York City is New York City to the world. And every time you watch a movie, it's always in New York City. It's New York City, yeah. It's always in Central Park. It's always (laughs) in, you know, the Upper East Side, or it's in Chelsea, or it's in Soho or NoHo. Yeah. Um, But that's the same thing for Toronto. Yeah. People always want to live in Toronto. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at numbers right now, and I'd be like, there's no way someone's going to pay that. Boom. Boom. 250000 over. Yep. In two days. Insane. You know, you look at uh, the new Pinnacle buildings that are going up at Young and Harbor. So it's a 60, a 75, and a 90-story building, I believe. It's three of them. Sold out. It will be. Getting there. It will be. A lot of big things in Canada is that we don't build on speculation. Right. We build on deposit structure so that they have enough money to get a loan from the bank so that they can keep building. Gotcha. Obviously, in the U.S., they went a little bit of a different route in 08, 09, obviously with the Lehman Brothers going under. Yep. And then, you know, the subprime mortgage is just cacking out and the bank's having no more money. All these buildings that people thought they were going to sell out, people are like, no, we're done. (laughs) I think in Toronto, the one issue you're going to see for a lot of people is because they can't afford to buy, 
they're going to be stuck to renting, which puts it back in the landlord's court again. So they can kind of charge whatever they want. And listen, there's, it's not cheap to live downtown. No, I mean, for a one bedroom, you're paying 23 to 2,500 plus utilities, plus car, plus gas insurance, food going out. You're probably five, six grand a month. Jeez. And that's your burn rate. Yeah. And I know people don't want to say that, but that's the reality. I mean, you go out once a week, it's 200 bucks, 300. So there's a thousand. Your rent's 2500 there's 35 plus utilities, plus food, plus everything, plus, plus. It's not cheap. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So going back to the 2000 a month, I'll use an example of 90000 a year. Right. After taxes. So that's roughly, you know, eight grand a month, we'll say, give or take, 75, eight grand. Now you're making two. Yeah. So eight from two is six. Now three, four months of that is 24000 gone. Yeah, and then after that, you're going on TEI. And depending on, you know, your job or the business that you work for, if you still have a job, who knows what that's going to be. You might not be guaranteed to get $2,000 because it's up to, I think the CERB was up to 2000, but EI could be significantly less. Well, that's the thing, right? And then when the landlords come back in full boat and they go, okay, I gave you a three month break, joke's over, let's start paying again. And they go, oh, I don't have a job. Oh, here's your eviction notice. Right. So now you're starting to get into mental health where the yeah. stress levels have consumed people so much For that sure. they have no idea where to turn. So where are they turning? Alcohol. Right. So now alcohol is being sold at people's you can order it. Yeah, you can order it from uh in your takeout from restaurants if they have a license. Which I find a little bit odd and worrisome because how are you verifying that these people are of age? That's a good question. I'm So what are you doing? Are you showing a driver's license of some random person and then someone else is going to drink it and you have and then who's responsible if someone gets in trouble and drinks and drives? And how are we getting into this now? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point that not a lot of people have brought up. No, because um, people just want to think about let's come up with ways to really solve or stop the bleeding. Right. Well, in order to stop alcohol the bleeding, sales. yeah, alcohol sales because they've <laughs> yeah. they've skyrocketed. For sure. 100%. I mean, uh the other day I was somewhere and I was in a parking lot and I saw a guy who back in our day would have been PD. Uh, alcohol distributor legal <laughs> is what he was. Yeah. Um, a guy who had his little tap machine, he was wearing gloves and some guy came out of his car or no, out of his building and was paying because the guy was delivering him alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Well, it is crazy, but you think about it. In the United States, you could go to a bar, you go to, yeah. buy a beer, and take a six-pack home with you. Yeah. You can go to a corner store. Like, it's way more It's like, everywhere, right? So I think there it's not as abused as much. Here in yeah. Canada, you hold something back from somebody, they're going to find a way to get out. <laughs> oh, alcohol. 100. And they're going to pay more for it. Of course. Because now you got delivery, dialogue. service fee. Like, you look at all these different Find $100 two-sixers. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Just to feed the urge, right? And I yeah. think now, those... And that that's, goes back to everything, you know, of not properly saving money it's it's a it's a skill um and it's I'll be, hard i'll be i'll be honest before i got married when i was just even dating uh my wife before we got engaged like that was probably like the worst thing that i did and then once we got married it was because of her that we were able to figure out our finances like mm-hmm. she had been doing it forever she'd been a homeowner for a long time um and so the, the big thing was that we sat down, we got one bank account so you can see what's going in, what's going out, what are you spending on? We have the, the credit card bill at the end of each month. So you're smart. A lot of people would just get their credit card bill and just pay it. Yeah. Just pay it. But and there's always a double charge. There's Some a, companies like, sure. oh yeah, I forgot to give you that bill. Well, it's funny because we, uh, 
one day, like we don't use our debit card very often, very rarely for purchases anywhere. And we noticed that like an Amazon charge was, was taken out there. And if we weren't going back and reviewing and it happened like three months, we would not have known we would have kept that person would have probably just kept going. We wouldn't have been able to shut it down. Well, this goes back to the fast life, right? This goes back to people not even opening up their bills. They just pay because they don't care because they don't want to be bothered because it takes too much time to be bothered. 100%. Because they have money coming in, but now money's not coming in. So now it's like, hold on. Who spent three dollars at Esso? Yeah, where is that? What, what is that? What What did we spend at Esso? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that this really has been a reality check for a lot of people, including myself. Like, I'm not sitting here yeah. trying to broadcast like I'm some saint because I no, you no, know no. me and I'm not. <laughs> I spend money like it's eighty dollars for no. Right. I don't care. Right. But now, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm grateful to be in the position that I am in. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, regardless if you have a hundred bucks or a billion bucks, you know, everyone is being cognizant of the fact that money is coming out right and not coming in right now i mean two thousand bucks is nothing right you have kids no, no, you have two girls you know what it is it's, it's, it's nothing absolutely nothing i have no girls and i have no wife <laughs> and it's still, it's still nothing. nothing right um actually you, you brought up a good point there uh i wanted to go back how did you get into the real estate game so it's been in my family for a long time actually my grandfather uh a long time ago uh started investing in buildings um and got into the industrial investments in belleville okay um and then ended up buying a strip mall and then when my mom and my dad got together my mom got in on it okay my mom started working for a real estate company um in the 80s and then she got into the uh commercial side of real estate and then when i was born she stayed on for a couple more years um, and then she ultimately decided just to help raise me and right. my dad would take over. And so that's kind of how that came. And then as I got older, you know, I always knew that I loved real estate, but right. I didn't really, um, believe it or not, I wasn't really that talkative when I was younger. Cause I was just, I just wasn't. <laughs> and then eventually as I got older, as you know, it in high school spiraled out of control, <laughs> but, um, I kind of got to a point where after working in the service industry for so long, I mean, over a decade of working in restaurants, you really get to learn on a craft of just being able to talk to people and understand sure. and, and read and react and, and empathize with people. And, you know, it's nice when, you know, a client comes and says like, Hey, how are you? You know, how's the kids? How's the family? You know, yeah. and you, you kind of, you know, banter back and forth. And I think that's when I was able to get into real estate and I got into the commercial side first, um, which was great. I mean, it was a fortune 500 company, so right. I was very fortunate and, uh, I pretty much cold called all day. Yeah. I would just call companies. And, uh, I mean, one guy told me once if I ever called him again, he would kill me. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And then I remember I got through to one guy and he said to me, uh, okay, I'll listen to you. So I was super nervous, but I was ready. And so I chatted with him and he said, what do you know about a hundred million dollars? <laughs> okay. And I just flat out just blanked. He goes, <laughs> yeah. click. See you buddy. And, um, and then I realized once I was at a commercial that it's, there was just no emotions there. Right. It's just, it's strictly transactional. Like it is, it yeah. really is. It's yeah. just like, can you get me this space to get my business moving? Perfect. Which I didn't like, mm-hmm. but you know, with the commercial real estate side, the financial reward is so great right. when you make it yes. in 10 years. Right. But, but it, it's a process. In, in the nine years, you don't make anything. Right. So are you ready to wait, ride that wave? <clears throat> and I wasn't. And then the opportunity came up to work at Callus. Um, right. I'd known Michael and... Um, I knew a couple people that had worked there and obviously growing up in the area that you and I have grown up in, yeah. I mean, there's callous signs everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And, um, you know, I was confident that I could bring something to the table there. 
Um, obviously with the right learning and, mm-hmm. you know, Susan Kruger, who's our sales manager has been phenomenal with helping out the younger people. Yeah. We do, a, a training course every week, which kind of works on different strategies and how to talk to people and how to read and react and educate. Um, and then Michael just follows up with just really positive information every week about just like, you know, what's going on in the market, market trends, how we can help. And, and the thing about Callus is, which is opposed to a lot of other companies and there's no slight to them because they're also all great. But when you are run by a family, yeah, it becomes your family. 100%. And you want to go to bat for your family all the time. And I, I was the kind of guy that would go out to a bar and, you know, I'll be honest, I acted stupid. Yeah. And I didn't think that there was any recourse. Right. When you work for a company like this or any company that this size and magnitude, you're always in a microscope. For sure. And, you know, that's why for me, it's like, you know, I take a step back now and I don't yeah. just jump in all the time. For sure. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm, I've known Cal for... Uh, many many years now worked uh, alongside him. He was my tennis guru up at Camp Whitepine. Yeah, shout out Camp Whitepine. Um, and then I play baseball with him. We we would do these you know tournaments twice a year. And you're completely right. Michael is like the the father figure for everybody. That for everybody. Yeah. He's like, all right, who needs a water? Who needs this? And he gears up and he takes care of himself. And then, like you said, you want to go to bat for him. Like you want to be like, all right, he's going to war. I'm going to war with him. Like we're all in this together. And that's the kind of trait that you want from a boss. From your leader. From someone who's running such a huge company who maybe does not necessarily need to talk to every single employee. Michael will take the time to do so. Well, any trade, I mean, the nice thing about Michael, which a lot of people don't know, is that any transaction you do, he sends you a personal email and lets you know, (laughs) and he writes the actual transaction on it. So it's not some generated like, hey, great job. This is like, hey, I want to congratulate you on your job. Yeah. Good job. Keep going. Like, and not only is Michael just such a wealth of knowledge, I mean, he goes down and speaks to huge school business schools in the United States. He's one of the most highly regarded real estate advisors in all of North America. Yeah. Harvey Callis, his father, is one of the greatest real estate minds of our generation and generations before and will continue to be for a long time. Yeah. And I think that like you said, when you wanna be the best, you have to work for the best and expect they expect the same from you. And I mean Michael is yeah. always ready. He is never unprepared. Yep. And he's always willing to help. And I think that's the big thing for us at Callis is that, you know, making money is great. But making sure. memories is a lot more important. One hundred percent, and that's and that's the family, right? Like between Dana, Mo, Olivia, and Ace. Ace man, my Ace guy. man. I see. I haven't seen Ace in forever. Ace was just a just a wee one when I met him. I mean, again, they kid. they look up to Michael, and anyone who comes into contact with Michael just sees it. He's contagious. It is, which is funny. Like you say contagious and he's like one of the biggest germaphobes yes. like in this the is, world. This was, he was, he was like, I told you this was coming. Yeah. He was, he was an elbows like yeah. touching guy from, from the jump. Yeah. Um, but working for such like an, an amazing company, um, I'm sure when you do something positive, it just feels so rewarding. And then when you get to work with someone like Stephanie, which again, like just a quick sidetrack to this. I went to high school with you. I used to babysit Stephanie Correct. with her friend. Yeah. And now I'm getting emails from her about properties. Yeah. Is, is, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to work with, with someone with her knowledge and her dedication. Mm. I mean, it's, you guys are like that dream team. You guys came 
together uh, i'm at roughly around the same time you guys joined yes the, that's correct the team? Yeah, we came we came together uh at the callus brand together roughly around the same time and then maybe about three months in we kind of realized that we kind of had something unique together right where um i mean both being similar backgrounds with her being greek and me being serbian um the orthodox kind of thing we kind of right. kicked in and uh, we'd always laugh about it and then we kind of sat down one day and we just said you know should we give this a try? Yeah. And from there on, I've never looked back. I mean, she's one of my best friends now. I know yeah. it's a short time. Right. I mean, like I talk to her 40 times a day. Right. Um, I love her family. Um, and she's just, she's just a positive person and she's just, you know, she's so helpful in so many ways that it, it just makes my job that much easier. Right. And you know, I, and going back to Michael having someone's back, I know Steph has my back and she knows that I always have hers. Yeah. Um, quick little side note, which is going to really embarrass her, but, um, <laughs> like two weeks ago at midnight, she calls me at the cottage and she's like, I think I left the stove on at the home <laughs> oh, and I'm like, that sucks for you. <laughs> she goes, can you go check? <laughs> oh, that's awful. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> so there I was in shorts and a t-shirt at 1230 screaming down the 401 Jesus. to make sure that nothing was on fire. And it wasn't. And luckily, yes, yes. Yeah. But it, I think, I think going back to, I mean, just the callous brand quickly is that, you know, not only has Michael built a great brand there with Harvey and Elise, I think that, you know, the people that he's hired all are on the same page. Right. Obviously it's a cutthroat business, but we're not cutting each other up. No, like we all understand there's a lot of pieces to a pie. Yeah. And for me and Stephanie being so young into the brand, I mean, we're very fortunate. Like, you know, I showed you the video of our listing. I mean, yeah. not many people in their whole real estate career might get that, might get that. Yeah. And we have that and another one that's double the size of that right. coming up. And I think, you know, it just goes to speak volumes that like, you know, I was out last, mm, maybe a couple months ago, just before this had broken out. Yeah. And I was talking to a lovely lady and she's like, Oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in real estate. And she rolled her eyes right. as if you and everyone's mother is in yeah. real estate. <laughs> and she goes, Oh, well, who do you work for? I was like, Oh, you know, I just subtly said I work for Harvey Callis and eyebrows raised yeah, yeah, yeah. full attention All because right. they know that when you work for somebody that is so reputable yeah. that, you know, they want to listen in on what you have to say because they know that they don't just hire anybody. No, for sure. Know? So I think that's where I'm just so fortunate to be able to, you know, represent the company, represent my family. I mean, my mom, who is probably the worst critic for me because she <laughs> just, she was at tears and, you know, she's always yeah. like, I'm so proud of you. You're finally becoming somebody that, you know, is, um, a valuable person to the community. The other thing about Callus is that we have a Callus Cares community. Where right. We give back to so many charities. And, you know, just before this happened, we were able to do a spin class in the middle of the BMO building downtown. I, I saw the video of you doing the spin class. Yeah. And I think we talked the next day and you're like, dude, I, I can't feel my butt. No, nope, my can't. butt, my legs, my <laughs> ego was gone. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for the world. For sure. Yeah. No, 100%. So, is there anything that you feel like you want to you want to touch on one last thing before we sort of wrap up about you know what people should be looking at or not necessarily being fearful of with this whole COVID-19 thing? I think for the most part I think people just need to understand that this is a slow process. Right. Real estate in general is a slow process. Yes. So this has just expedited that even more. Right. Um, and I think that people, if they were ready to buy now, they might need to take a little break and reassess in four to six months. And then, you know, like I said, the most important thing is choose a proper real estate agent. Right. Whoever that is, it doesn't have to be a Harvey Callis agent. Right. It would be great if it was, but if right. it is not, choose somebody that has your best interests at heart. I'm telling you, because you're going to lose a lot of money. Yeah. And if you spend two to 300000 over asking, 
that is the money you would have made when you're going to sell this house. For sure. So you're walking as a wash. Right. Because you're paying the 5%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, you're paying the 5% commission plus what you had. It's yeah. gone. Um, the other thing I would just say is, you know, like, like you said, this is so important, but, you know, people really need to understand the severity of this. I mean, this is, this is not an economic issue. Right. But it has such severe economic implications. For sure. That if we continue to ignore this and do donuts at Young and Dundas <laughs> and scream at people at convenience stores and spit on people and say yep. you have the coronavirus and, yeah. and do just ignorant things like that, this is only going to delay the inevitable. For sure. And we're going to continue to be having this conversation in six months. Right. So yeah. that's Stefan on his soapbox. I like it. That's it right there, guys. So Harvey, Harvey Callis. Yep. What can they expect when they come in and want a real estate agent? What can they expect from you guys? I mean, from the conception to execution, you can accept You can expect just first class. I mean, right. we're very transparent. There's nothing hidden. There's no hidden fees. We let you know how we operate. For myself and Stephanie, I mean, the biggest thing that we do is we sit down, we have a consultation. Now, obviously, it's very different now, but we've had sure. a couple, you know, web consultations. Yeah. And what we do is very similar. What we did with you is... If you have any questions before we start the process, yep. let's get those out of the way now yep. so that they don't rear their ugly head, closing the transaction, and that halts all activity. Right. Um, I would say the other thing from Harvey Callis is that you're going to expect, uh, you know, when some people talk about doing commission reduction and things like that, mm -hmm. I mean, myself and Stephanie, we achieve 98% of our asking price and higher. Right. 97 across the board for Callis. Right. Most other agents don't get that. So when you're talking about a commission difference, that two to 5% that we're going to get you extra, yeah, that makes up for it. Okay. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think you just, you want to understand that you're being educated properly and that we're not hiding anything from you. I mean, right. the worst thing is, is that you feel like you're being betrayed or you feel like you're being hustled. Right. And that's not what we're about. I mean, for me personally, I want someone to be so comfortable. They could call me at 11 o'clock at night if they have a question. It doesn't matter to me. Right. I and just want them to be, you know, and you're, sure. and you're accessible at that time too, right? Like that's, that's the crazy, that's the, one of the best things is that you are accessible seven days a week, all sorts of time, because you put your time and effort into your clients. You yeah. want to make sure that if they have a question that they, they think of in the middle of the night, that you're going to get back to them. A hundred percent. And I think yeah. obviously there's some points in time where it's multiple offer situation or negotiation. You have to stay up a lot later, but for the most part, you know, when you're commanding these kind of properties and mm -hmm. you're getting paid the money you're getting paid. Yeah. You need to be accessible because sure. if you are not, they will find someone right. else. 100%. And I know that sounds bad and everyone thinks that everyone's loyal to everybody. No. You know it's not. I yeah. My own grandfather said he wasn't going to list with me. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I have the luxury of being single right now, which means that I don't have to, you know, offend anybody by being up late. Right. Obviously, in your situation, you know, you know how difficult it is right now. You're doing a completely great job with the juggling act, but, yeah. you know, it's hard. For sure it is. And I think for me, when I was in past relationships and just talking to them about being in real estate, it was hard for them to understand. For sure. Because, you know, I would be on my phone at dinner and they're like, can you not do that for 20 seconds? And I'm like, if you want me to pay for this dinner, <laughs> I'm going to have to do this. You know, you're, you're completely right. My wife's like that with me right now with this podcast. I'm on my phone just, you know, grinding, trying to, yeah. you know, make deals and, and get people to come on or, or promote the business or promote the podcast. But it does take, if you are not single, it takes someone who, you know, understands and, and is willing to support you through it. Right. Otherwise, it becomes very, very challenging for sure. Where can people reach you? So what's the best way to get in contact? They want to buy a house. They want to sell a house. They want to 
lease a house because you do leases. We do them all. We you do, do them everything. All. So I think the other thing I was going to say about that before you just said that is, I mean, for a lot of agents, some people who work in the higher brackets, they don't do leases. I think leases right. always look down. It's not looked down. It's just they're time consuming for a lot of people. Right. And it is kind of, yeah, no, yeah. it's just it's not as rewarding. It isn't. But here's the thing. When you do a good job, you never know where a referral is going to come for from. sure. And Stephanie and I have always said that, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a thousand dollar lease or a ten thousand dollar lease yeah. or a thousand dollar house or a million dollar house it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. we're going to put in the same effort every time for sure because if you decide to get complacent and do things half-assed that's where you start getting into trouble but right. i would say to contact us um for me you can contact me at stefan at harveycallis.com or 647-523-6161 uh you can either shoot me a text or an email i respond within five ten minutes um stephanie is stephanie t at harveycallis.com um, and on Instagram, Facebook, we're all there. And then we're just getting our Google page up right now. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, we're really excited. Obviously it's troubling times right now. So we do have to understand that, you know, business is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but we do have the ability to think outside of the box and make sure that we do help you achieve those goals yeah. as we're seeing with you right now. Yeah. Um, we're still working at full capacity. We're yeah. just limited in the way we can do it, yeah. but we're still a phone call away. And if you ever want to chat the market and don't necessarily have to do a deal, yeah. I'm always available. And that's the thing about you guys too, right? You're all about education. So even if it, you know, someone comes with an idea and then you drop, you know, the information that you have, it's about educating that person. Now they're, can make a decision to move forward, pause for the cause a little bit. And that's, again, not money hungry, not looking for a sale. You want to do what's best for the person coming in who's trusting you, mm -hmm. to be honest. Well, that's the thing, right? And I think just uh, as a, one of the final points here is, you know, if someone says, I have a million dollars to spend, most agents will go, great, I'll go buy a million dollar house. Or even ask you, hey, we'll go 1.1, you know, yeah. bully, bully offer. Yeah. Just, uh, we'll, we'll make it work. Yeah, and you don't have that 100 grand. No. Here's the thing. When you go, okay, 36,000 land transfer. Yep. 4,000 lawyer. Yep. 6,000 moving. <laughs> then you take a week off work because you're packing. Yep. Then you have to do daycare because your kids, you know, you can't. Yep. Then where does that 60 grand come from? Then... Like, do you have any money saved? Yeah. And that's the one thing I always ask people. I said, do you have a savings? Right. I don't want you to buy a home with 100% of the money you have. That makes no sense. Because right. then you literally are just praying yeah, that nothing something can. like the coronavirus doesn't happen. 100%. Or even again, I'm a windy day, a shingle falls out, right? You can only do so much through. Well, didn't you guys just fix something? We we did. Well, we had a. AC unit or <laughs> heating? Uh, furnace and AC. Yeah. Luckily went out just before the cold spell hit. But yeah. again, we ran into things with an older home that we expected yep. that we would have to deal with. And you budgeted. And we budgeted. And we and said, okay, realistic. we knew that within this amount of time, things are going to come to the end of their life and we're going to have to do it. We were fortunate enough. Again, this happened before coronavirus mm -hmm. right at the beginning. So we, and we, we knew to plan. We had planned a year ahead of time. We had done all of our planning last summer as to who we wanted to go with. We talked, got all these quotes we were very diligent in what we wanted to do. And then when it happened, we were able to act quickly and move swiftly through it. Right. But not everybody does that. And unfortunately if, not. And unfortunately, if you're in this situation now where so many things are shut down or people aren't doing the regular business that they're doing, you may not find a solution to your problem. I don't believe so. I think it might be a little too late for yeah. some people, but hopefully this is a wake up call for a yeah. lot of people. And I hope that they just take this as serious as they should because, sure. you know, like you said, a lot of people that are expecting to go back to work, they might not have a job. Last thing I want to say, yes. uh, I read this earlier today. Um, 
there was a guy in the States um, who had some really bad luck twice in, in, in one week. I think twice in a couple of days. He, I guess, didn't pay attention to what was going on with coronavirus, wanted to work out and went to a park and ended up getting a ticket. And then the same guy actually almost got arrested for breaking and entering. Do you know who this guy is? His name is Tom <laughs> Brady. Oh, man. And I do believe he broke into his offensive coordinator. No, 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 no. He thought he was going to that house. Oh. And, and he used in. to be an NFL player, I believe. Byron Lefford, yeah. He used yeah. to be quarterback for uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. He's I believe the, he went to Marshall University. Oh, I see. I don't know that. I do. I'm going to have to look that up now. It's true. Um, he was trying to go to Byron Leftwich's house and apparently got the wrong house. Good, uh, good for Tom so Brady. So if it's not good for Tom Brady, it's not good for anybody. Yeah, listen, Tom Brady's setting a bad example out there for people, but uh, again, it can happen to anybody. So we got to be yep. smart out here, people. That's it. All right, Seven, this was awesome. Thank you for doing this. Thank I you appreciate for it. Um, again, uh, email address one more time. So it's Stefan, S T E F A N, at harveycallis.com. And Stephanie's? Uh, Stephanie T at harveycallis.com. Stefan and Stephanie. That's it, the dynamic duo. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. No problem. Have a good night, guys. You too.